You're listening to RTI Audio, powered by Rocky Top Insider. This is the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler and Ryan Shumpert. All right, and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to one of the most universally beloved sports weeks of the entire year. Welcome to March Madness 2023. Today is Tuesday, March 14th. We are setting out for Orlando here very, very shortly, but until then, we are getting ready for Tennessee's game coming up on Thursday. We'll talk about it all coming up in today's podcast. My name is Rick Butler. I will be here with you in studio. Joined with me, as always, across the Zoom verse, that would be Ryan Shumpert. Good afternoon, my friend. How are you doing today? I think you uh, let us in pretty good. It's one of the most exciting weeks of the year. The NCAA tournament is here, and, and obviously, plenty to talk about with Tennessee's draw. And as, as you said, they head down to Orlando this afternoon uh, ahead of a late Thursday night tip off against the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Now, Let's jump right into things. I, I figure we don't waste any time. This is such a big week for people. People just want to know what's going on. But for me, all eyes are going to be pointed to Thursday and Friday as the first two days of the 2023, again, March Madness Tournament. We have Alabama, Houston, Kansas, and Purdue. Those are the number one seeds with everyone else falling in line behind them. But let's back it up a little bit too, right? Let's, let's rewind the clock a little bit back to Selection Sunday. Tennessee was revealed as a four seed. And then Bob Marlin's Raging Cajun squad from Louisiana, they were then selected as the 13th seed. But the way that it was presented, Duke had already been revealed as the number 5 seed in the East region. So by the time that Tennessee received their selection as a 4, you already knew what the first matchup was going to be and then potentially the second matchup with number 5 Duke and number 12 Oral Roberts right there, right in Tennessee's zone of the East region. So immediately... Immediately after Tennessee gets revealed as the four seed, Duke has already been revealed as the five seed, Tennessee starts getting called out as one of the early, early upset favorites. Not just for the game against Louisiana in the first round, but certainly when you look at the second round and you see a potential Duke matchup there as well. So immediately off the bat, you kind of look around the college, uh, college basketball sports world and people are pointing to Tennessee as one of the early favorites to potentially be knocked out of this tournament. Now, there's always going to be those early favorites, especially in the first couple days leading into the tournament. Tennessee this year, though, kind of selected as that team. Now, let's back it up a little bit even more. 9.40 p.m. Eastern time coming up on Thursday. It's going to be from the Amway Center in Orlando, Florida, where the Magic play. Tennessee's going to be the nightcap for the first day. Louisiana. 26-7, and Sunbelt Conference champions. Since January 5th, the Raging Cajuns have won 16 games while just losing three. We flipped the script a little bit. Meanwhile, we know that Tennessee struggled a good bit in the month of February. Tough ending to the season with the with the game in March against Auburn. Also had the, the loss to Missouri, as we know, the kind of the second half, second half collapse there in the SEC tournament. 
Raging Cajuns, on the other hand, they have been very, very, very good since the month, uh, or excuse me, since 2023 started, led by forward Jordan Brown, who I'm sure we'll talk about a lot more coming up soon, averages 19.4 points per game, 8.7 rebounds per game, and then one point assist per game. But Ryan, I guess my first question to you as we get this conversation started is, is it fair? Were you you surprised that Tennessee was kind of widely looked at as one of the immediate favorite players? or excuse me, it's one of the immediate upset favorites when you look at all the talking heads across the college basketball landscape. Not really. I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. Tennessee hasn't played very well the last month of the season. Granted, I don't think Louisiana is one of the better 13 seeds in the field, not to say that they're not a solid team and they're not capable of beating Tennessee, but sure, I mean, I think it's not surprising to see some people – the look at Tennessee as a first-round upset, you know, you mentioned even in the second round, that wouldn't really be an upset. I, I imagine that would be a very tight point spread if Duke wouldn't be favored if, in a potential second-round meeting. Heck, even Oral Roberts, I think, is probably the best 12 seed, so I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Duke. Certainly, they've made runs each of the last two years in the NCAA tournament. So, to answer your question, no, I wasn't overly surprised by that, but, uh, you know, no one really knows what's going to, no one knows what's going to happen, and I think a lot of times it's, you know, not the worst thing in the world to see a Duke in your immediate path, or maybe not immediate, but in your close path, uh, and a team, Duke team that's playing well, has a lot of hype, and certainly a lot of media fanfare around them right now. And, I mean, Tennessee was kind of one of those teams last year, and obviously they lost early. That's not some direct correlation or anything like that, but I, I just use that to say how unpredictable uh, this tournament is and how you know, really anything can happen. Yeah, and I mean, with Tennessee being in this East region, we know that the second weekend, if Tennessee does beat Duke or Oral Roberts and and Louisiana, of course, whoever it may be, that'll be in Madison Square Garden. So in order for the Vols to get to MSG, they're obviously going to have to beat some talented teams on the way there. But let's kind of go ahead and start talking about this Raging Cajuns team first before we move into maybe more of the Tennessee aspect, just because I think we can get it out of the way quickly, and people are obviously going to be less familiar with Louisiana as we reach this this stretch where we're leading into the tournament. Right, we talked about the name a second ago for Jordan Brown. That is really their their bread and butter. Although I guess when I say bread and butter, that sounds maybe even more like a finesse term. This guy is obviously a, he's a tank. He's a big guy. Again, averaging almost twenty points per game, almost nine rebounds per game and throwing out about two dishes per game. This is a guy that Tennessee actually recruited. Rick Barnes talked about that during his media uh, press conference on Monday. This is a guy who, who has been a little bit of a traveler, right? I believe been to Nevada, been to yeah. LSU. Where else uh, am I missing one between there? It was Arizona, not LSU. Okay, Arizona, Arizona excuse me. Louisiana now. Yeah. So, so there you go. Yes, and then now he's at Louisiana, so there's, there's where that L comes from. But been a traveler, been a little bit of a, a traveler as – he was a very highly recruited recruit, too, a McDonald's All-American, a former uh, McDonald's All-American as well. So just looking at this guy, how much, of a, how much of a problem do you think he is going to present Tennessee here in this first game as really their best guy uh, on the Raging Cages team? I think a pretty big problem because I think Tennessee struggles to defend big men and certainly I think defense has taken a step back since the Kai Ziegler's injury to begin with. But for the most part, I think wing guys, I think, guards Tennessee is very good at defending I think it's the big guys that give them some issues and you you know you think of okay good big man for Louisiana maybe someone's not super big a little more undersized that's why he's at a school like Louisiana or someone you might be overwhelmed by the size and athleticism of the SEC team and and Jordan Brown's certainly not this guy obviously like you said McDonald's All-American started or spent some time in his career in Arizona has played big level college basketball 
six foot 11, 225 pounds. So that's what jumped on the table, you know, right away when I saw him. That this is not a guy Tennessee's going to build overwhelm with size or athleticism. Just a, a really efficient scorer, 19.4 points per game, 59% shooting from the field. Not a, a great three point shooter by any means, just shooting 25%, uh, but capable of hitting some threes. I think he, what was the number? Yeah, he hit 12 last season, uh, only four this season. So not a huge threat from there. Uh, but a, a little bit of stretch to his game. And uh, I think really when you look at him offensively, the one weakness is he's not a good free throw shooter at all. Shoots just 61% from the field. Uh, and that's been kind of across the board. He's been between – in his four years in college, he's been between a 62% and a 59% free throw shooter. So consistently not very good. But a guy that isn't very good at getting to the free throw line. I mean, I think Josiah Jordan sure. James was one who talked about it uh, on Monday that he averages draw, – or draws over an average of five fouls per game. So – uh, he is a, a really strong offensive player, and certainly that makes you makes it clear that Tennessee needs to be locked in in the interior defensively and, and across the board. And I think the inconsistencies from that group, from Tennessee's aspect, uh, especially Jonas Adu defensively, how inconsistent he has been this season, uh, I think makes it right off the bat kind of an immediate concern and an immediate guy you could see being able to score a lot. And, and if Tennessee isn't crisp offensively, the, a guy that can keep uh, Louisiana in the game. Yeah, you know, for a tournament that is, well, let's just say for a tournament in a time of the year, right, when when so many of these games are based on matchups, this is one that Louisiana is obviously going to go to just like they have been all season. This is going to be a very critical player for them and, you know, where a lot of their offense is going to come from. But let's, let's also look at Louisiana as the offensive team that they are. One of the other strengths that kind of Jordan Brown provides is being able to create space for the guys around him. Uh, Louisiana's going to throw three guards on the court who are all pretty darn talented when you talk about Williams, Folks, and Garnett each one of them a pretty darn good three-point shooter as well. Louisiana as a team shooting 37.8% from the three-point line, both Garnett and Williams shooting 40% by themselves, more than 40% from the three-point line, so those guys I mean averaging 13.1, 11.0 and then 6.7, so a little bit lower there for Garnett, but those three guys are very talented as well. That's certainly an aspect to their game that I think Tennessee has to control, and, and not that I don't expect Tennessee to. We know that this is a good defensive team, even with, despite some of the inconsistencies that you're talking about right there. But I do see that being a part of their game, right? Getting getting the ball down low to Jordan Brown, then being able to, get, being able to kick it out with a little bit more space to one of these hot shooting guards. Yeah, sir. I mean, that's, that's kind of the recipe right there. They don't shoot a ton of threes. Uh, they just get 26% uh, under scoring from the three-point line, which is one of – in the bottom half, really the bottom third, uh, bottom fourth, bottom 25% even uh, of college basketball teams. But, I mean, you just said the numbers. They shoot it well. They shoot it in the top 50% nationally from three-point range. So it's not a high-volume three-point shooting team, but it is a team that is certainly capable of hitting threes. And I think when you get into a game like this and you, you get into March Madness, I mean, that's why that's why the NCAA tournament and basketball as a whole is a sport you can see so much variance because a lesser team shoots well on, on any given night and – then that's a real evening factor against teams that are maybe bigger, better, more athletic than them. So it, while it's not a Louisiana team that bombs a lot of threes, they're certainly capable of hitting them. And, you know, in the NCAA tournament, if you're capable of hitting them, you can start bombing them and hit them. And, and that just kind of changes the dynamic. And, and I think you said it a second ago, this is just a really solid uh, or really good Louisiana team offensively. And it's kind of honestly in a lot of ways the way Rick Barnes likes, likes to play inside out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I I think you're exactly spot on there. You know, it's uh it, it's 
it's interesting when you look at it, and I kind of even go back to yesterday, right? For for Tennessee's side of things, Ryan, you and I were both at the media conference uh, or press conference yesterday with both Rick Barnes and Josiah Jordan James. Both of them kind of were asked uh, about Josiah Jordan James' output on the offensive end, and I can't remember the numbers myself, but basically what it came out to be was when Josiah Jordan James is scoring, especially into the double digits for Tennessee, they're winning ball games. When he's not scoring, when he's not as productive on the offensive end, they're not winning ball games. And I think especially with Zakai Ziegler out, that that comes to be more true. And again, there there are exact numbers to back that up. But from just a principal perspective, that's kind of what we're looking at with this Tennessee go- team going forward. You can even look back to the SEC tournament. Man, he was on fire when it came to that first game against Ole Miss. Tennessee's offense was chugging along. It was productive. It was efficient. It was pretty darn good. And then you saw a little bit more of a roller coaster there in the second game where they didn't get as much kind of consistent effort, not effort, consistent out- output from Josiah Jordan James. Are, are, are you in line with my thinking, and I'm sure you are, but just how important Josiah Jordan James is now to this team again, especially in the wake of Zakai Ziegler's injury, which we've now seen Tennessee over a good three to four, I guess three-game stretch without uh, Zakai in the lineup? Uh, 100%. I was texting with somebody back after the Missouri game, and it was kind of like it. it's simplified. It's oversimplified, I guess I should say, but it, it just kind of feels like, if Josiah shoots well, Tennessee will have a great chance to make the <laughs> yeah. Sweet 16. If he doesn't, they probably won't. And that's the thing. I mean, you mentioned the scoring, and it was Jimmy Himes who had the stat. I, this may not be the exact numbers, and I'm not sure when it dates back to because it wouldn't be all the games this season. But it was something like if Josiah scores in double digits, Tennessee is 7-0. and If he doesn't score in double digits, they're 1-5. and So I think you've seen that. Obviously, it's been a year where Josiah has been in and out of the lineup a lot. But I think you you've even seen that. With some of Tennessee's struggles, you know, before he got hurt in that Vanderbilt game, uh, they that Florida game he shot really poorly, um, and then in the Vanderbilt game, obviously uh, he did not shoot, he did not shoot well either, and they lost both those games. The Auburn game, he made some mid-range jump shots, didn't necessarily shoot well from three-point line. Obviously, Tennessee won that game, but it was very low scoring. He went for 15, and that I haven't pulled it up now, but yeah, I think that's 100% accurate, and it's. And I think that's what is interesting about it is you can really dumb it down to as simple as not just scoring and yeah. shooting because he he doesn't get he doesn't effectively get to the rim and finish at a consistent level. So it's not necessarily all three point shooting. He like that Auburn game, he can shoot poor from three, but get to the mid range and shoot well from there. Kind of what he did against Michigan last year in, in the round of thirty two when Tennessee lost. But uh, Tennessee needs him to be making shots, and I think more than anything, Santiago Vescovi needs him to be taking to be making shots yes. because. He just has so much of the offensive workload on his shoulders right now. Since the Kai Ziegler went out, he's been phenomenal. I don't think you can hardly ask any more than what he's been when he's given Tennessee. He's been great doing that. Uh, but I think it, it certainly relieves some pressure off his shoulders when other guys are making shots. And, and Josiah Jordan James is probably the most capable of anyone else on Tennessee's roster and making them uh, – not only at a high percentage, but at a high quantity, you know, taking a lot of shots and making a lot of shots. Yeah, I mean, Ryan, we, we've talked about this just all throughout the season for months now at this point. I, I don't think we're, I don't think at this point in the year, right, we're sitting here on March 14th. I don't think we're breaking any news. I don't think we're telling most people what they don't already know. We're just kind of giving the lay of the land of this Tennessee basketball team that everybody has seen. Santiago Vescovi is the scorer for Tennessee right now. Again, all of this being in the wake of Zakai Ziegler's absence. 
Santiago Vescovi is the scorer. They need a second one. They need somebody else. T- typically, and especially in wins, that's been Josiah Jordan-James. But I also think that you need somebody else. You need a, 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 a Jemai Meshack. You need a Tyreek Key. You need somebody else to be able to produce and give Tennessee a little bit of that third score just so, yeah, you're right. Some of those other guys don't have to carry as much weight on their shoulders. Yeah, exactly. And we've talked about it again at length for the se- all season that there's a lack of consistency from most of those role players. And that's understandable with a lot of them. There's this, you know, some of them are younger guys. Some of them, it's just kind of like Olivia Kemwaj kind of, this is who he is. You know, yeah. he's, he's not going to be consistent. Josiah Jordan James is the one guy that I think is good enough to have more consistency. That doesn't mean he's going to shoot 40% from three, 50% from the field, every single game. That doesn't mean he's going to score 15 points every single game. He's a guy that they need to hit a couple shots and be, you know, just that, just what the number says, a guy that can score into double digits every single game out. And obviously I think that would go a long way for this team. Now, let me ask you this about the defense. Unless you've got any more thoughts on just kind of where Tennessee's offense is, Josiah Jordan James, anything like that? No? Okay, so let me... No, no, moving ahead. So let me ask you this. Going back and looking at Tennessee's last two games against tournament teams... So when you're looking at the game against Auburn in the regular season finale, then when you're looking at the game against Missouri in the second round, or excuse me, in the quarterfinals of the SEC tournament, Tennessee led up 30 points in the first half to both, and then 49 points in the second half to both. They both scored 79 by scoring 40, and then thir- excuse me, by scoring 30, and then 49. Are you at a place right now where maybe you are a little bit worried uh, about Tennessee's defense in that absence with Sakai Ziegler. Do you see anything that's kind of troubling you right now? Obviously, that's been the bread and butter, and that's kind of been the the staple or, or, or the you know the main point of this Tennessee team. And I don't necessarily myself, I don't necessarily worry about the defense as a, you know, on a gigantic scale, but I do think that you can point to some trouble spots, some, some inconsistencies that you've seen in these last couple of games. Just where are you right now with this Tennessee defense being the selling point of this Tennessee team going into the tournament? Yeah, it doesn't seem like to me, it doesn't seem like the same defense that it's been for most of this year. I think it's a lot different without Sky Ziegler. I don't think they've been very good without Sky Ziegler defensively. Uh, that ball pressure, I think it starts with that. They haven't forced nearly as many turnovers. Uh, you I think real quick guards, I mean, that's what you saw in Auburn, Wendell Green really torched them. There's small quick guards uh, that, not that no one else is capable of staying in front of, but Ziegler kind of excels at defending and just the way he's able to get up under guards and provide a lot of pressure and make it challenging for uh, opponents to start their offense. And I think Tennessee is certainly lacking that. It doesn't mean they're not a good defensive team without him, but I don't think they are the same defensive team without him. To me, they definitely aren't the best team. Uh, best defensive team in the country, and they've even in Ken Palm for the first time since, I don't know, early December now, they've fallen to number two, UCLA's passing and adjusted defensive efficiency, and that's because there's been a big drop-off since Ziegler's been injured. So, uh, yeah, I mean, yes is basically the answer to my question, I don't, or to answer to your question. I, I don't think Tennessee is nearly as good defensively or has been these last two weeks, you know, without them. That doesn't mean that they, it's impossible. You know, I actually will say, I don't think it's possible for them to get completely back to the level they were. I think they just lose too much with what Ziegler can do. That doesn't mean they can't get back to a really, really good level. They can't get back to a level where the defense carries them through a weekend and wins them some games in the NCAA tournament. Um, but uh, I certainly think it's not at, at the clip that we've seen for a lot of the season. You know, especially in these last couple of weeks, I, I think, and again, not that you or I or 
a good chunk of the fan base wouldn't have guessed this or wouldn't have predicted this in some kind of former fashion, but it really is incredible to see just how big of an impact that Sky Ziegler had on this team in so many different ways, whether it be on the offensive side of the uh, offensive side of the court or the defensive side, just w- with his ability to take over late game situations. I think that's an, again a place that you saw Tennessee kind of. Fall, uh, falter out a little bit in the Missouri game and that's something that Rick Barnes talked about in the immediate aftermath of that was hey look in a lot of these games Zakai Ziegler is kind of our go-to guy for the last four to five minutes or so right now Tennessee doesn't have that ability so it, it really has been interesting just to see all the different ways that Tennessee has been so reliant on that one player in particular and how they're going to try to overcome that in these next couple of games hopefully they're having uh, for their sake in in Orlando and then so on and so forth yeah, I think – I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I think for the most part, Tennessee's offense has been just as good without Sky Ziegler, if not even better. That's a large part just because Santiago Vescovi has played so, so well in this kind of increased role, increased burden. And Tennessee's been able to play in the half-court offense, I think, off of him and some of the double teams he draws coming off screens uh, or off ball screens really well. In the game situations, I mean, just what you said, Tennessee hasn't been nearly as good when the game – slows down when it becomes a possession game, when it becomes 10 seconds on the shot clock, high ball screen, someone go get a bucket, someone go get an open shot for somebody else. There's just nobody else on Tennessee's roster like Sakai Ziegler. So they've missed him in those in-the-game situations really badly. I mean, you go to two games we talked about defensively, Auburn and Missouri, and certainly defense didn't do him a ton of favors in those games late. Four minutes, you know, out of the under four timeout, those games were within one or two points of one another. And it was anybody's game to win, and Tennessee really kind of blown out. It's not maybe not the right word, but they did not put up a good effort in either of those scenarios. And uh, I certainly think Ziegler's absence, on top of what we've already talked about on the defensive end, is really felt on the offensive end in, in those final minutes. Yeah. You know, looking ahead a little bit, I don't want to get into the second-round matchup too much. And part of that is just because, hey, if Tennessee does beat Louisiana, we will come back with a podcast live from Orlando, and we will talk a little bit more about that gigantic marquee matchup between, obviously, the Volunteers and the Blue Devils in the second round. Who knows? Like you said, might be Oral Roberts, right? There's a couple different variables that have to happen over that span of time. I kind of want to lock in on just this Louisiana game right now. Ryan, a lot of people are picking this game as their upset, as one of their perennial 4-13 to 13 upsets. I'm sure you've had this because I've had this quite a bit in the last day and a half or so. A lot of people have been calling me and they say, hey, Rick, we're being told that Tennessee is going to lose. We're being told that Tennessee is the 4-13 matchup to pick in our brackets. First off, where are you going with your bracket right there? And then just as let's let's throw the brackets out the window, right? Not in terms of a what's a good value, what are you trying to pick just making money. Let's talk about this just in terms of a game. Do you think that Tennessee is in a legitimate position to lose this game to Louisiana coming up on Thursday from Orlando? Yeah, I mean, why, it'd be ridiculous to think otherwise. It's the NCAA tournament. Four, two 15s, 15-2 upsets happen, you know, somewhat frequently. So yeah, I look I look at the bracket, and I'm saying this to somebody today, I look at the bracket in literally every single 4-13 game. I'm like, this is at most a 6-40 game, or 60-40 game. And hopefully I got that math wrong. I was having some issues <laughs> with some math uh, in, in Nashville over the weekend. But it – I mean, all, all four games to me seem very capable upsets. And, you know, I think Tennessee is what, like about a 10 and a half point favorite 
I honestly like Tennessee to avoid getting upset upset about as much as any other uh, of the four thirteen seeds. But uh, it's certainly a game that is far from definitive that Tennessee is going to win. I mean, I look at uh, Kent State. I think it's really good. Uh, I think Furman is a really good matchup against Virginia. And, uh, you know, one the one four seed I probably like the most is UConn. But Rick Pitino and Iona, man, I mean, there it's hard to – Rick Pitino is a great coach, and that Iona team's played well all year. So it's hard to feel like they don't have a chance either. So hey, we'll obviously have our game predictions out uh, Thursday morning. I, I will pick Tennessee to win. I, I think Tennessee will win. But, yeah, I mean, it's certainly a, a game with a, a very much a chance that Tennessee will we'll get upset. And that's just the reality of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you know, uh, I go back. People are calling and people are asking, and I am not giving the answer of, hey, you know, go ahead and move Tennessee to the second round of the tournament because that is where they will be. Now, like you, I think that that's where we're heading. I think that that's the, that's the more probable option. That's the more likely option on the table. ESPN's power basketball power index, if I can get that out, has Tennessee at a 94.6, although I don't know how much weight people put into those actual things. Um the other thing I look at is that, hey, look, I, I know that Tennessee has faltered a, a good bit, especially in 2023 in the month of February or so, but if you look at Tennessee just in general from top to bottom, they really haven't lost to anybody that egregious. I mean, you really got to go back to that second game of the year uh, against Colorado to see that yeah. was that a uh, that was a 12-point loss or so, right? That was That was nasty. But in the meantime, at least, you really haven't seen Tennessee falter that much to somebody that's not you know, and I'm not calling Louisiana a bad team at all. They're they're a good team, and I think they're about to prove how good of a team they are, especially with that one player, Jordan Brown, in the middle. But I do think that this is a game that Tennessee is going to win. Tennessee is going to advance. Now, are there definitely situations that could happen to where Tennessee gets bounced in the first round, and they are one of, if not the fourth third? 413 upset. Absolutely. Ryan, like you said, man, it's just about the chaos of March, right? Anything can happen, especially we've seen crazier things happen. So I do think that that's on the table. I do see a situation where Jordan Brown has a phenomenal game down in the middle. Tennessee's bigs have a little bit of trouble matching it on the offensive end or stopping on the defensive end. Maybe they do make those adjustments, but then Louisiana starts to get hot from the outside with some of their three-point shooters. So I do think that there are ways Louisiana can win this game, but for me, I am picking Tennessee to advance to the second round. Now, we'll we'll go, we'll cross that bridge when it comes. I'm a lot less less confident in that game if it is to come, but I do believe that Tennessee has the ability to get out of the first round. I do believe that they will, but man, like you said, this is March. Anything can happen. Exactly. So, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, I think I don't, you know, it, I don't think that's the kind of funny thing about it. I don't think Louisiana is one of the better 13 seeds. Seeds I do just think they kind of match up well with Tennessee and when you look at what Jordan Brown can do. So it should be a good game. Get your coffee, get your Dr. Pepper, get your energy drink ready to roll. It's going to be a late, it's going to be a late night. Um, but that's March at its finest. Man, it's going to be exciting. It will be exciting again. Those games will be from Orlando, Florida, going to the Amway Sitter where the Orlando Magic play. I- Maybe Admiral Schofield will be in attendance. I haven't checked the the magic yeah. schedule or anything, but I'm sure if he's right there, he'll pop by. I couldn't imagine why not. Yeah, I imagine they'll probably be on the road, given they can't play at their. Uh, <laughs> I guess they can't play at their home arena. But I guess maybe that's fair. Work out where they where they have a day off or something uh, on Sunday before a home game on Monday or Tuesday. Maybe maybe it'll work out that way. Yeah. 
So either way, we will uh, we will be there covering that. Make sure you are tuned into Rocky Top Insider for everything. Ryan, just any quick uh, notes or thoughts or sleepers or just anybody that you had when filling out your bracket. Any any kind of fun facts to give? Any uh, big predictions? Kind of not from Tennessee side of things. Um, yeah, I just pulled up Orlando's Orlando schedule. They're on a, a four game road trip. Yeah, that makes right sense. Now, so they will not <laughs> they will not be in town. Um, really, I mean, I think. Uh, that kind of does have some some close ties to Tennessee in more ways than one is I think Memphis is going to – I have Memphis in my elite eight of my bracket. And if Tennessee were to make the Sweet 16, they would play Memphis in that first game. You know, that's assuming Memphis gets there. Obviously, Memphis is going to have to beat a good Florida Atlantic team and an upset Purdue to even just to get to that point. But that's kind of one area I like in my bracket. And then I also have TCU making a run to the Final Four. So uh, those are, those are I guess, kind of my, my bracket hot takes. I'm, I'm – you know, the only thing on top of some some first round upsets across the board. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on Memphis. I don't know if we talked about that yesterday, but I, I kind of had that stand out to me as well. My sleeper teams are kind of in the same in the same light. TCU, Memphis, maybe the Texas A&M Aggies, maybe Missouri a little bit kind yeah. of proved something over the last week. So I think those are all teams that that could advance a little bit. But unfortunately, Missouri has the misfortune of being in Alabama's bracket, where I believe everybody's going to get steamrolled. So. Those are all be conversations for a different day, though. All right, Ryan, let's go ahead and wrap it up here in Knoxville. We will be on our way to Orlando tomorrow. Make sure you're tuned in for, to Rocky Top Insider for everything coming up for the NCAA tournament's first weekend coming up this weekend. We will be there. We will be covering it all. You can follow Ryan Shumpert on Twitter at rshump00. For myself, Rick Butler, you can follow me at Rick underscore Butler. But again, just making sure you're locked into Rocky Top Insider's network on each different social media platform. We are at Rocky Top Insider on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. We will have you covered completely throughout. But until then, thanks so much for listening to the RTI Preview Press Pass today. For Ryan Shumpert, I'm Rick Butler. We will see you in Orlando for the NCAA Tournament. Four seed Tennessee taking on 13 Louisiana. It should be a good one. And then, of course, we'll be back right afterwards to talk about the result. Thanks so much for listening to the show. We'll see you back for the next one. This has been the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass.